Two small town girls living in a big city, chasing even bigger dreams. Meet your hosts, Kylie Benami and Sophie Longford. These two high fashion models have discovered that life outside of their hometowns isn't so simple. Talking all things fashion, wellness, fitness, and all of the messy things in between. Welcome to the not so simple life. I love it. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Elizabeth and Dale from Sweats in the City. When it comes to workout classes, these two have just about done them all. Sweats in the City started off as a blog that reviewed workout studios, but their brand has turned into so much more than that. Elizabeth and Dale are your go-to girls for all things fitness, beauty, lifestyle, and diet. Let's get them on here and get into it. Hi guys, welcome back. I was having a great morning until I hopped onto Facebook and my time hop photos popped up. I like don't think I want to see 75% of my throwback photos. Like every once in a blue, I'm like, oh, me and mom a few years ago in New York, how cute. And then the other 75% of the time, I'm like, ew, what was wrong with me? Like, I think I took part in like all the bad trends that there were to take part in, literally. I don't think it could have been much worse than me. My friend sent me a throwback photo not long ago of all eight of us. And I am the only one that literally looks like she was taken out of a drag show. I had bleached blonde hair. I had backcombed it like crazy. I had this thing where I would backcomb my hair. And so it literally went into like a beehive. And so it was bleached. It was backcombed. And I remember my mom, every time before I left the house, was like, please brush your hair. And I was like, no, mom, it's so cool. Like, I'm going to get volume. And I look at all of my friends in that photograph and every single one of them looks so normal with beautiful, straight, combed hair. And then there's me who literally is like, I don't even know what I would call myself, a monster. The back comb, yep. Well, we didn't have Instagram to look at and revert back to back in the day. We didn't have all of the style like bloggers showing us what we're meant to wear and what we're meant to look like. We had to just like wing it and guess what we're meant to look like. Did we make our own trends? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what were some of the bad trends that you took part in? Well, I loved a good dark lipstick at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. Real dark. I was really young. I'd have like that deep, dark burgundy lipstick on. That was a bad one. Uh, Hair feathers. Did you ever put the hair feathers in your hair? No, didn't do that one. You you would literally go to the hairstylist, like the hair salon. You would pay like 30 bucks per feather. It was like not a cheap thing. And you would get like random feathers, like literally tied into your hair. (laughs) That was a big one. Oh, and that eventually turned into like tinsel. So around the holidays, you would put little tinsel in your hair, a little sparkly tinsel. What did I not is the better question. I don't know. What about you? I was crazy with my black eyeliner. I look back at those photos and I'm like, why did none of my friends tell me? I literally would cake it on underneath my eye. So I look like all gothic. And also there was this big phase of like people dip dyeing their hair and like putting the ends of their hair like pink or blue. And so you know what I did because my mom wouldn't allow me to dye it? I got a highlighter, a pink highlighter, and I drew it all over the ends of my hair. And I rocked up at school like, yeah, I dyed my hair pink. (laughs) You just needed feathers. Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. I'm trying to think of what else I did. Oh, and the leg warmers. What the fuck was that? Oh my God. I had a thought like while you were saying this, it came to me. 
in seventh grade, literally seventh grade, I remember exactly, I bought every color of the rainbow and boots on like some cheap website. It was called amiclubwear.com. Yep. Each pair was about 20 bucks. I had white, purple, pink, brown, green, yellow, red, and metallic silver with studs at the top. And so every single day I'd come to school with a different pair of colored boots on. I'd even have like thigh high white ones. Can you imagine seventh grade? Nice. Did you have the side fringe hype? That was a thing for sure. It was completely out of the question to ever have a middle parting back then. Like I remember when I did modeling, they tried to make me do a middle parting and I was like, oh my God, I look so weird. When we wanted to like look stupid and like, be goofy yeah. and make fun of each other we would middle part our hair and be like ho 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 <laughs> oh my god well on another note we have sweats in the city joining us today they are two girls who know just about anything and everything that there is to know about workout classes and fitness routines and we are so excited to have them on let's get into it hey guys thanks for joining us today how are you Good. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming on. We have so many questions we want to get into with you today, so let's just get into it. Can you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your platform, Sweats in the City? Yeah, so we are Elizabeth and Dale, and we're co-founders of Sweats in the City, which is an online studio review platform, Instagram channel, and blog based around health and wellness. It's kind of all encompassing, but um, our bread and butter has always been reviewing studios and workouts. Nice. And how did you two meet? We were actually set up by a mutual friend about over five years ago as roommates. And we actually never met until the day Elizabeth moved into my apartment. And yeah, we lived together for a couple of years. And then we started Swiss in the City when we were roommates. That's so New York, just moving in with strangers. Did you find that you guys are really similar or opposites like from the very beginning? I think we found a lot of similarities. Like I remember there was like some foods that we both had that weren't like super popular. Like I remember we both had Purely Elizabeth. At the time it was like a brand new granola. And like these were things that like now are so popular, but we both like realized we had a lot of the same things and just like feelings around certain things. And it was kind of like a perfect match. Like we just, everything kind of fell into place. So then when you guys first met, obviously it was just like a hobby. So when you first started the blog, what were you doing before? So I was working in like financial product sales and Dale was working in fashion. And, you know, it was kind of more just a conversation. Like we would come home every day and we'd be talking about the workout classes we went to. And yeah, it was it was really like a hobby at first that then kind of turned into a passion project that obviously like we we like talked about it potentially becoming our full-time jobs. But our goal at first was like, maybe we can work out for free one day. And and then it ended up kind of turning into something bigger and getting to the point where it just wasn't sustainable for us to, you know, both be working nine to five in addition to the blog. And so we were able to make the jump. Did you ever think it would be as big as it is? When we first started, we actually had no idea what could come of it. We kind of, we did look at other girls similar to us on Instagram and being like, if they can do that, why can't we? Like that was our kind of vision at the beginning. But I think as things started to move, I kind of didn't expect how quickly things would happen in terms of like getting picked up by certain news outlets and working with brands. Like I remember what the first week starting, there was a 
big brand that reached out to us and we're like, things are happening like right away once you kind of define yourself in the industry and start to make your platform. So it was kind of shocking to see how quickly things could happen. Um, but it's definitely at the same time been like a slow and steady growth. There hasn't been anything to help us like explode or anything like that. We're still a fairly relatively smaller account compared to many out there. But we really built like a niche community, which is what we like focus in on. And that's kind of, I guess we're known in our smaller community in New York City in the fitness scene. And yeah. I feel like with quarantine, a lot of people have started to build different like digital platforms and started pursuing their extra passions when they had like time off during quarantine. And what would be some pieces of advice that you would give to someone who wants to start something? I mean, the, the nice thing about quarantine is that movement isn't going anywhere. And it's I think it's created a lot of opportunities for people, especially who were working for maybe bigger studios or gyms and wanted to branch out on their own. And then they saw how successful they could actually be as like their own boss. So I think really just putting genuine, consistent content out there, especially workout wise, people can feel that they want to see that you're every Monday you have a new um, program or something like that. They want variety. And yeah, I, I honestly think that now is a great time to do it because we need to move and feel like we are part of a community more than ever. For sure. What type of classes do you enjoy the most? Is it high intensity? Is it Pilates, yoga? What's your favorite? We're definitely more low impact kind of girls. We try everything and we've done pretty much every category of workout, but we usually stick to more of the low impact, the Pilates, the bar, the sculpt maybe a little dance cardio sculpt. That's what we enjoy the most. And we've definitely, you know, try everything and we encourage people to do what works for them. But after, you know, so many years of trying different classes, we've noticed that this is the best, feels the best. We love the results and we just enjoy it. So that's why we normally mostly do that, but we're not afraid to step out of our comfort zone. You kind of just answered what I was about to ask because I was thinking my journey's been similar with fitness. I was like such a hit junkie. I like used to run Central Park every day, like loved that runner's high. And then I'd get into like Barry's boot camp and like I just like loved that cardio high. And like sure, I always felt like I was in great shape. But when I finally started working into like lower impact workouts, I was like, wait, wow, like my body tones up so much faster and I feel like the results are more lasting and I actually don't have to work as hard sometimes. It was that a similar case for you guys. Yeah. For I sure. mean, I really think that, and it's, again, it's different for everyone's body and everyone's, especially like gender wise, people respond differently. There used to be more of this mentality that you really have to beat yourself up in order to a feel like you got a good workout and b truly be in shape. And I don't think either of those things are true. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy like a good like boxing sweat sometimes, or sometimes I just like a, a long run because it's good for me mentally. Um, and again, like the runner's high doesn't suck, but you don't have to beat yourself up and, and it, it can feel good too. Yeah, actually, when I was in New York, for me, it was way more about like high intensity cardio, because everything was fast paced and including the workouts. And then when lockdown happened, and I started trying yoga and stuff more, I become like so obsessed with it. I feel like it really works your mind as well as your body. But what makes a class great? And what makes a class experience bad? 
So a few things I would say, definitely the energy of the instructor. There's some instructors that just have this infectious energy what comes to mind is like Megan Roop or Melissa would help. They're people that you kind of just want to be around um, and that really believe in their method. And I think also one that has a good structure. So they keep things interesting. They keep things moving. It doesn't get stale or boring, offers a good burn, good music, and something that's a little unique to them. So whether it's certain dance moves or certain equipment, I think those are some things that definitely stand out to me when it comes to a good class. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say also like kind of going off of what Dale said, like having good music, having a good mood go along with it and not, I guess, something that would be on the other side of it that isn't great for me that I've noticed just somewhat recently kind of came to mind is when a workout just jumps into the workout too quickly. Like I was in, I was in a reformer class the other day. The very first thing we did when we got into class was start on the jump board, which like I've never done before. You always warm up. Like at least for me, I love a Pilates class that starts super slow. You're just waking up the body and like maybe there's even some breath work. So, you know, I don't, I don't love when a class just jumps right into the intensity right away. Even if it is a higher intensity workout, I think that there's a way to go about it. So off the top of your head, because I think it's always interesting to see what comes to mind first, what's like the best and worst classes that you've ever like experienced from trying it for the first time? So one that just comes to mind right away that I knew the second I stepped in, I was like, this is for me. And I would do this as much as I could, if possible, is the NoFar method, which is like a boutique Pilates studio in New York. We, we were big fans of Project by Equinox, and we loved going to instructors um, at that studio. And a lot of their methods, we just really gravitated towards because the instructors were just so passionate about it. Like I've been to studios before where you can tell they just don't want to be there and that they don't really know how they're teaching. One that like comes to mind was when we first started Sweats in the City, we went to a random studio. It was called Surf Set. It was a very bizarre experience. And I think that you know, a lot of workouts can be better as long as they have like, if they're confident and they're yeah. certain about their method and they, you know, cause we're just following them. So if they're not sure about the method, if they're not sure about the next move, if they don't feel like they live and breathe their method, we're not going to either. So it can just be as simple as being passionate and believing in their method and their workout to make the entire group want to follow along because we've been to ones that they've kind of just halved it or like seem a little uncertain and we're kind of like their lack of confidence rubs off on us and then we're like uh okay like I don't know what's going on here when we review these classes we really try to make it more less like the good and the bad and more like just us stating facts about what we've observed and that goes for like what Dale explained with you know kind of how the instructor is presenting the method and also into like us explaining that a workout is very like leg focused or arm focused or high intensity, whatever it is, we try to keep it as a fact unless we've had like, you know, a really bad experience where they've mistreated us or something that we feel like it needs to be called attention to just to protect other people from. I mean, I've only have ever had one class where I've actually walked out of and that was, which is going to surprise some people because I know so many people who are obsessed with it, which was rumble boxing. The rumble training I became obsessed with and that was like my favorite go-to class because I loved how it, it was mixed up from the cardio bit on the treadmill to then like the toning and stuff. I loved that. But with the boxing class, it was so loud. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never boxed before and I walked in there and it was just like, do this, throw an uppercut, do that. And I was like, what the fuck do I do here? I was like, <laughs> and so after like 10 minutes, I was like, 
I'm out. Wait, so on that note, Sophie, I think that brings us to the point I saw you guys have on your page. You guys rate the cult status of the classes. And I love that you do that because that's such a big thing. Do you guys feel like Rumble has that like cult feel to it? Rumble's actually a studio that you'd be shocked that is not as culty as some of the other classes we've seen. And there are some instructors that draw such an intense crowd of follower, a big following that it's so intimidating to go in on there. There are some soul cycle instructors or just some other instructors that if you're not, you know, on the dot signing up or part of their crew, like you're not getting in the class. And then once you get there, if you're not a part of that crew, like there's just, it's just a whole other level of following that I don't, I've never seen exist outside of New York city to this level. One that comes to mind is Akin at soul cycle. And he started his own spin studio. I mean, a lot of these people that would ride front row of his class were doing several classes a day and the cult falling is just so strong and it's just, it's good to know as a newcomer because you can be easily turned off by a workout if you feel like they're not welcoming or user friendly. And like, you know, there's all kinds of workouts for all different people, but it's, if you just sign up for a class, that's super, it can be very intimidating. Yeah. Soul cycle is like such a Mm -hmm. cult. And I actually like found myself like getting wrapped into it at one point, like not so bad. Like I definitely like, I didn't, I don't like to talk a ton in my classes. I'm kind of like going in for my workout and like getting out of there. So like, I don't feel like I got too wrapped into it, but I definitely like was doing so many classes and I caught myself on that front row, like loving it at one point. And I haven't gone in a long time, but soul cycles intimidating when you're new. That's the thing is like, culty classes tend to be very addicting. Like, especially if you are someone who like enjoys that kind of mentality and then you kind of find yourself like in the front row or whatever it is. And that's why we like putting it in there because some people have a strong preference um, one way or the other when it comes to kind of that mentality. Like, especially in New York, a lot of people are very attracted to it. But like Dale mentioned, it's also great for newcomers to know because you don't want to just walk into something like that and you know, expect to feel welcome when, when you necessarily won't. What do you think about Dog Pound? We used to love going there because it was just such a scene and we would, you know, do the workouts. I mean, now I don't know if it's as much of one ever since like all the COVID changes, but mm-hmm. it's definitely you go there to work out and be seen, but it's a tough workout. And the inst- trainers are really good and they'll really push you it's expensive for sure and a lot of people that go there aren't paying for it like a lot of Victoria's Secret models I'm sure Victoria's Secret or their agencies were paying for it but we used to we used to like going there once in a while as like a treat it's fun it's like a good activity and it is nice to have like the one-on-one attention of a trainer you know it's definitely different from a lot of the group classes we do so um, while it is pricey it's it's nice to switch it up with that It's nice that you have two of you as well. I always tell my friends this who like want to work with the trainer, but they're like, I just can't get myself to like pay that much money. I'm like, do it with someone like join me because it's so much more affordable when there's two people. It's like much better. Yeah, for sure. And it's like more motivating when you have a friend to go with. Totally. So do you guys, are you the type who work out every single day or are you guys big believers in rest days? So we get this question a lot. And I think because of our content and like the 
basis of our account and because there's two of us. So like we're split up and one of us is working out here and one's there. Like people often have the perception that we're working out like every day, multiple times a day, which <laughs> love that people think we have that level of motivation, but we don't. And, you know, we take generally like a couple of rest days a week. It really depends. We don't have like a set schedule and we pride ourselves on being flexible with that. Every week looks different, but we definitely are big into listening to our bodies and honoring rest days and honoring stretch days and, you know, making it very sustainable. A really big like New York mentality too, for people to be like, I'm going to a spin, I'm going to a bar and like all in one day. And people don't realize that it's actually not going to really do much for your body when you put so much pressure on it. It's probably just going to make you hungry all the time and your body can't possibly repair itself and build muscle or tone if you're overworking it you're just going to keep breaking it down and not give yourself that rest so a lot of people will keep pushing themselves so they'll work harder but not smarter so we like to you know work smart and get feel good about it and also we find that it keeps you more motivated long term when you incorporate these rest days because a lot of people have this all or nothing mentality like i'm going to go so hard and then they burn out and they're like oh i'm going to throw on the towel like it's I, I don't have the motivation. It's because they're not thinking long-term, but they're thinking, you know, killing themselves in the short term. Yeah, and I think everyone's looking at Instagram and thinking, oh my God, everyone works out every single day. That's what I need to do. But I mean, I, I am guilty of literally taking like three weeks off sometimes, but like, on Instagram, I'll still look like I'm working out every day because I'll just have old content. So it's so misleading. On the note of recovery, what do you guys do to recover and restore your body when you're having a rest day? I recently picked up on foam rolling. I think it feels really good. I, I got into like this um, fascia type massage. I've been working with this girl. And so she told me that it would be really helpful to foam roll. My IT band gets really tight. I think long-term running kind of did that to me. So foam rolling like every morning for even five minutes has been huge for me. I know that's not like rest day specific, but I think the more you can incorporate these little things that feel good, the more sustainable it makes everything you're doing. And I'm actually really into the Theragun recently. Oh my God, love. Really yeah. I, I find them to be so good. But on most rest days, either I sometimes don't even think about it and I'm just like, I'm just gonna go with how I feel or I go for walks um, just cause I know I'm gonna feel good after and it's like very little stress on my body. So just like kind of embracing, taking things slow and having more time to do other things that day. Um, and yeah, I don't sometimes really think too much about the rest days. As long as if I'm sore, though, I will use like recovery tools to help ease the muscles. I just wanted to add in that walking is so underrated. And especially like during lockdown, it reminded me of that because Dale and I usually walk, I don't know, like we walk like four miles a day together most times because we go to these studios or we're doing whatever. And during lockdown, when we had no destination, it made walking, I'm not sure if you guys experienced this, but like so much harder because you're just kind of aimlessly walking. You don't have anywhere to go. And so I just notice how much I feel better when like our schedules are full and we have all these places we need to go and we can just get our steps in while we do it. It goes by so much faster. Your body feels good. It's a win-win. 
I went home to Texas during quarantine and oh my God, I was going crazy. I mean, it's like in Texas, everyone's fighting for the front row spot at the supermarket. And like at one point I was just like, mom, leave the car here. We will go walk to that store, like the other side of the outlet stores. Like she like wants to drive to another store. I'm like, we need to walk. Like I need to move my legs. Like you guys don't walk ever. I'm with you. I think it's so important. And I've always read online that it's also really good for lengthening your muscles too because you're like really stretching your muscles every time you're walking. So I really live by the method of lots of walking and low impact workouts. I find that gets me the best results and just makes me feel good and also doesn't put so much pressure on your joints because, you know, now we're young and we're limber and we can do all these things. But what's going to happen in 10 years when our muscles get like, from overusing them and overworking them. And a lot of these workout classes, it's just so much stress on our joints and our muscles that we can end up with serious long lasting injuries. So we really also wanna be protective. And as much as activity is important, we have to think about you know, our, our bodies long-term. Do you use any products for recovery? Like do you use CBD or do you use bath salts, magnesium, anything like that? We love CBD. Love. Everyone uh, loves CBD. Every single guest <laughs> we've had on at the moment has said CBD. It's like the least gimmicky thing. Like it just actually works. Like if I put CBD, like muscle relief on my shoulder or if I have a headache, it's like instant relief. And I find like even going to bed at night, taking them, like it's just something oh, that's yeah. direct. Like it's not like, is this working? Is this not working? Like you just see it right away. What brand do you like? Highline. Highline. I okay. a lot a of lot. different CBD, like from years ago when it first came out and Highline has been the best. And this isn't like a plug. It's genuine. Like my closets are full of their products. Um, mm-hmm. The creams are great. They have like a, a headache roll on that I, I find so to be good. so effective. But in terms of other recovery tools, I love an Epsom salt bath. I think it's really relaxing. I'm trying to think of what else we do. I get foot massages like five <laughs> times a week in New York mm-hmm. City. Like so cheap, $30 for an hour. You sit, you bring your laptop, bring Wi-Fi, and it's just like my whole body feels so good. It's because reflexology, when you get in those pinpoints in your foot, your whole body is like affected positively. So I love a good footsie. Yeah, no, me too. I haven't been to one in a long time. Are they open right now? Like they're back in business? Yeah, I would definitely go more pre-COVID. But mm. I went recently with a friend and it was fine. I wore a mask, like just chilling in there. They were all wearing masks and used all the precautions. So I wanted to ask you guys about hitting a plateau because I know it's something that I've experienced, Sophie's experienced, and I wanted to get y'all's take. So when you're working out and doing the same thing all the time and then all of a sudden you're just not getting results anymore, does that happen to you guys or have you had it happen in the past? I think we've definitely learned a lot about our bodies and plateaus. First of all, that, you know, everyone does have a set point body weight and set point range. And it's important that there comes a certain point when you're fighting against that to be a little fitter or have a little less body fat. And that can come at the expense of restricting your diet or losing your period. And people talk about beating this plateau, but what we don't realize is that our bodies kind of fight for us to stay in this healthy range for our bodies. Um, Because once you fight that, a lot of other problems can occur. If it's in terms of like gaining muscle, 
it's always good to, you know, work with a trainer and be like, where can I add on here to increase my weight resistance or what new workouts can I do? And I think switching it up is always good. And that's why we're big proponents on variety. So if you feel like, you know, you're at a point where you're eating your best and you feel good and you're like, well, my body fat isn't low enough. I would kind of relook at that. We like to reframe it and be like, well, at what point do you want to, you know, risk your mental health and your physical health to be a certain size. But on the flip side, um, if, if it's more about, you know, just boredom or you want to gain some more muscle, just try reassessing like what other workouts can I get into or move my body in different ways that I haven't done before in a while. Yeah. I think there's really like a mental component to the plateau that we've personally more experienced, especially during quarantine where it's like, you just are sick of doing the same thing and maybe you just don't physically feel good because of it. But back to what Dale said, I do really believe in the set point body weight. And I think that it's a message that needs to be better circulated because I still hear, I had someone say to me like last week, she's like, I just can't lose these five pounds. Yes. I couldn't say it to her because it was sensitive, but it was such a thing where I almost wanted to be like, it is so amazing that your body is holding on to these five pounds. It knows so well where it needs to be. And it's painful for me, me to hear that you're fighting against its natural way of being, you know, it's, it's a sensitive topic for sure, but it really is an amazing thing when you think about it in that way. And it's hard to get to a point where you see it that way for a lot of people. We've experienced it too, but I think reframing it is really important. I love that. Yeah, I'm just a big proponent of mixing it up too. I've always felt my best with doing different classes and doing too much of anything in life, I feel like. So too much soul cycle, too much Pilates, whatever it is, like, yeah, your body's going to push back at some point, you know, I think it's good to mix it up. And I love that you guys are advocating that to all of your followers that, you know, don't fight what your body's trying to tell you. That's so great. Obviously, having such an active lifestyle probably calls for a clean diet. So what does your typical diet look like? Are you keto? Do you, are you vegan? Do you not eat sugar? Do you have anything specific that you'd follow daily? We don't. We actually are an anti-diet in terms of we don't follow anything specific. We don't label anything. Like just because, you know, we have one plant-based meal, maybe the next meal I'll have a steak. Like it's just we kind of like to go with what makes us feel the best. And I think that has been the most freeing kind of lifestyle because, you know, we'll treat ourselves to ice cream at night or we'll go to meals out, but we don't ever feel the need to be like, the sugar is finally here. Now I can just go crazy. Like, I think that's where people get stuck is this mindset of like, they're extremely keto. And the second they're allowed to have carbs, they eat to the point that they're sick. And they're like, well, now I can't have gluten because it makes me sick. And it's like, everything in moderation is kind of our approach, I guess. And, you know, sometimes we do go a little more than we normally have. Um, but we really think not having any limits to what we can eat or how we can treat ourselves is really important and not subscribing or labeling our diets, just kind of like going in the moment, what feels good. And yeah, we really try to avoid extremes, like across the board, diet, workout, all of the above. And we've kind of gotten to this place together over the years. Um, doesn't necessarily come overnight. Like I used to, I remember when Dale and I were living together, I was like doing the whole 30 with a bunch of people in my office. I felt like it was like so good of me to be like following this thing and so strict and like you couldn't even have ketchup because that like wasn't whole 30 compliant, which is wild. But yeah, I remember it finished and I went to this wedding and they had like 
charcuterie everywhere, which is like my like dream. I love like a cheese platter. And I just remember me and my, the guy I was dating at the time had both done this whole 30 and we were like balls to the walls at this cheese board. And like, that is such a bad feeling, you know? It's just, I had this moment where I was like, whole 30 is not for me. Like my body clearly wasn't happy on this. And so, yeah, I mean a lot, you know, listen, like some people thrive on a plant-based diet or something categorized and it's so individual, but for us, we've just found that like having no label to it and allowing for that freedom works best. Did one of you suffer with a eating disorder? Yeah, I've definitely gone through eating issues in the past. And I think like most women, it comes from a place of trying to control what's going on in your life. And for me, that kind of resorted to food. I was definitely very highly restrictive. Like I would never eat outside of my house or if I did, it was like at a certain restaurant. And again, that kind of goes with the whole thing of like just trying to fight for those, not even fight for those pounds, but just getting over that like plateau for me was so dangerous to my health. I noticed I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to have these like crazy abs that show, I'm going to have to be super restrictive in my diet and it wasn't worth it. Like I'm totally happy with my body now and I find that I feel good and I've been there in a place where it's like super restrictive and I'm like, I never want to go back there. Like it's literally just takes over your life. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I went to see a nutritionist for it. And like, it was a very short, quick thing that happened in my life, but definitely really impactful. And I find that it's still a bit traumatizing when I think back of that. And I find that I still sometimes carry that with me, just how traumatic it was. I also think like being in the industry that we're in, especially like it took us a long time to get acclimated to that. And the way that we had to show our bodies all the time and Uh seeing other people's bodies and the comparison. And we've like had a lot of conversations where we're super open and honest with each other and what's going on. And that's been so powerful for us. And like, we both did an intuitive eating course kind of like around the same time, not together, but like with the same person and it was so helpful. I, I think that this is something that so many, especially women, men included as well, but like, at least from speaking with our friends and people in our lives, like it's so common. And so it's always part of our conversation. Mm-hmm. And on that, it's like, also, I find in the industry that we're in and the people that we can surround ourselves with, it's very easy to normalize eating disorders. And Again, like when I was really deep in it, it was so normal to like, there were like certain diets that were really popular around that time or like the excess workouts that I honestly didn't notice it until like, I remember my parents were like, we're getting you help. And I was like, but all the girls in my, my workout studio, they all do this. They all look like that. And my parents were like, I don't care what the other girls are doing. Like you need help. And like, it was very hard for me to understand because everyone I was looking at was like eating these certain like high fiber crackers and doing all these workouts. And like, it was just insane to realize like it's normalized almost. My experience with ketogenic was very similar to sounds like what you went through. I just, yeah, I lost my social life. I was just so committed to this diet and, you know, I was putting all good things in my body and I was definitely like eating enough calories. It was like just restrictive on like what I could eat. And that just affected my whole life. It affected my energy at night. It just affected everything. And I'm with you because it takes over and it's subtle. Like you said, it's not always like this big, horrible thing that like 
you notice right away it can be really subtle sometimes and creep up on you and then you're in it and you're like wow like I have no control anymore right it like always starts off so innocent like oh, I'm gonna make a couple changes like I remember I'm gonna start eating making more meals at home like and then it just kind of sometimes spirals out of control and you're like well how did I get here and like why is this impossible to crawl out of Right. Well, on another note, we want to talk about your beauty routines and some of your favorite products and what you guys like to use before and after workouts, all of that. So what are some of your best beauty tips? So lately, I've been loving Rococo Botanicals, which is like an all natural skincare line. I'm just going to say I had good skin for most of my life. And about a year ago, it kind of erupted. And it was this crazy thing where I was like, I have never dealt with this before. What is going on? And no one could figure it out. And I did a million things to try to solve it. And I don't know if either of you have ever gone through skin issues. Your skin looks amazing, but it can be all consuming in a way. And I hate for that to sound vain, but it's like you wake up in the morning and you're just so concerned about what's going to have erupted overnight. So I've done a lot of work to get it back into balance, but these products have been like, and this is not a plug. I don't work with them at all. They're just really good and they're super anti-acne in that they don't have any like pore clogging ingredients. And so I've kind of been sticking with what I know is safe. I obviously rotate in a bunch of other stuff, but that's kind of like my base group of products. What about you, Dale? I definitely like to take a bit of like a less is more approach because sometimes when I notice that I start experimenting, it's when I get a reaction of some sort. Um, that being said, I'm really strict about my sunscreen. I'm just so fair that like, I just don't take a risk. Um, I started implementing vitamin C a lot in my morning routine. So basically I'll, I'll say I usually cleanse my face twice a day. I we try not to wear any makeup to a workout. If we have to, we'll do a wipe right after. And then hydration, I'll use some kind of essence or uh, serums. I have very, very dry skin so that my um, moisturizer can actually stick. I went to a facialist and she was like, you're applying moisturizer, but it's like getting evaporated because you're so dry. You need like something for it to stick. And I feel like the most important thing when it comes to skincare is like, what's going to work for Elizabeth or what's going to work for me is going to be so different for everyone. But I think over quarantine, a lot of people notice like scaling back on their beauty routine and the giving themselves a break really helped improve their skin or their hair or their eyelashes. It's kind of nice to like kind of take those breaks on your skin and all that because if you're constantly overloading it too much all the time, it can have negative effects. Well, both of your skins look incredible. So I'm going to take on all of those tips. But I want to talk about balance. How do you guys balance your work with your personal life and staying in shape while living life? So in terms of a work-life balance, like working out, not even being a part of that, it's obviously, it can be a bit of a challenge for us, especially because our job is so social media based. It obviously helps that there's two of us. So if one of us needs to take a day off, we can kind of like, you know, balance out the content and have our community not feel like there's a gap. But I think having an awareness and boundaries around like the time you spend working and and kind of limiting your phone time is important. I, I recently put these like screen controls on my phone so that when I, once I hit a certain amount of time on Instagram, it kicks me off, which has been interesting to observe because it makes me realize on a day when I hit the limit like really early, I'm like, huh, it, it just kind of keeps you in check. So I think putting things like that into place, but it's hard. And 
we signed up for something where our job is like our baby. And so we want to be bettering it at all times. And so we are working a lot, but we also love what we do, as cliche as that sounds. So a lot of times it really doesn't feel like work. It kind of all meshes into one, especially when your work is also showing your life. And it can be hard because, you know, not everything we want to expose and a lot we want to keep private, especially when it involves other people and their lives. But we really try to have a good, you know, boundaries around that and also being vulnerable and sharing everything. And I think at the beginning, it was a little more chaotic because we were kind of just running around being like, what do we do? We got to do everything. We got to take on every role. And then we kind of really looked at it as a business and broke down everything we need to do for the week. And like we had a system going and now we hired two assistants and that really freed up a lot of time once we got them going on certain things and training them on how to do things. So the amount of time that we used to spend on little things that now they take care of, we have more flexibility posting and doing stuff that to elevate our brand. So that's been super helpful. What are some of your favorite stay-at-home workouts? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, We love P-Volve. We love Obey Fitness. Body by SJ is like a newer app sort of that launched during quarantine. She's always done workouts, but uh, Megan Rue. Sculpt Society. And there's just so many now. Like a lot of our favorite instructors, like Zach Felt Pilates, like so many workouts are now online. Jet Sweat, which is like a combination of so many different studios. And I think that's the beauty of working out at home is that you can try so many different workouts because a lot of these that had, you know, geographical limitations no longer do. And you could find non-equipment, equipment, free ones on YouTube, you know, paid subscription ones. So I think the fun about keeping it interesting is that you have to mix it up. Some people, if, if it's great, if they can find one workout for them, we're not really into the Peloton. We don't have a Peloton or anything, but a lot of people love that. Why is it not your thing? I think spinning for us was more of a community fun kind of a workout. We were never people that were like slaves to the bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was not something that we needed. It was more just like a social event. It's or an activity a with a activity. And for me, like I didn't actually spin as a workout wasn't my favorite style of exercise. Mm-hmm. I feel the same. My mom loves it. She's like, when I come home, she's like, Peloton, but there's a great new class, da, da, da. And I'm like, I wanted to get into it. I just couldn't. It's not the same. There's no vibe. <laughs> also, quick little plug for anyone listening. We do have a workout from home roadmap. It basically lists every workout that we could possibly find that's offered virtually. And there's even like a promo code column. A lot of these you can get like a 10 day free trial or whatever it is. So you can really get a feel for what it is that you like before you commit to paying for it. Amazing. Well, you definitely name dropped some of our favorite at home classes as well. What are your favorites? Well, we love Melissa Woodhouse and have you tried the class? By Taryn Toomey. Yeah, it's so so good. We love that. John Benton Model Fitness. Okay, I've Mm -hmm. heard, I need to try that one. We gotta try. We gotta try. It's hard, it's hard, but it's good. It gets results. He's amazing. I am from Dallas, so I've known him like from the beginning and he's always just been really good. And like, you can go to his Instagram and literally like his work speaks for itself. Like his workouts are so good. I would definitely say like, do it with a friend or do it 
in his Zoom classes because it is very repetitive, like for a reason, you know, it's like he's very specific in like how his method works. But, um, you know, it's good to have somebody there with you to like push you or hop in the Zoom class. So you have like someone to keep you going, you know. For sure. We it's will really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you guys want to share your social handles? So your Instagram or websites, whatever it is, so everyone knows where to find you. Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at Sweats in the City. And then our website is www.sweatsandcity.com. No the. Thanks for coming on, you guys. We love your platform. So we are happy to share it with all of our listeners. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us on your podcast. If you're a frequent listener, you know what time it is. It's time for our Q&A section, the part of the show where we answer two questions sent in by our listeners. Let's get into it. So question number one, before you were a model, what did you want to be when you grew up? Weirdly enough, from the age of like 11, I always said I wanted to be a model. So I guess that kind of worked out pretty well. (laughs) But aside from that, I also wanted to be a vet just because of how much I loved animals and I wanted to be around them all the time and I still do but I don't think I'd be a vet I don't think I could cope with like seeing them being put down and seeing them sick it's too much for me but yeah I don't know I always want to do something with animals but besides that I've always been fascinated by science so probably something down that road Hmm. so I was always good at math and science too I definitely wasn't like good at writing or anything like that so I always wanted to be an anesthesiologist so If you don't know, they're the doctors who put you under when you go for surgery. And my parents growing up were friends with a couple who were both anesthesiologists and they lived such great lives. And they would always like try and talk me into it. Like, Kylie, you'd be great at it, this and that. And I was totally on board. That's so random. So random. But looking back, I'm like, I don't know. I know so many people in med school and they spend like such a huge chunk of their life in school. So that would have been a downfall. So question two, what's one random fact about each of you? Well, I've got I've got a good random one for you guys. I can recite pi to the 25th digit. Little nerd. I, I will prove it. Here we go. Inhale, exhale. 3.14159265358979323846264. Boom. By the way, she has a piece of paper in front of her and she's reading off. Absolutely (laughs) not. It is so not true. We had extra credit in like seventh or eighth grade. If you could remember pi to the 25th digit, you got like 100 as like a test score or something, which was like incredible. Brought your grade up a lot. So you betcha I remembered that. Oh, she's such a little geek. (laughs) Totally. I don't know. I can never think when I get asked this question. I actually kind of hate it. But. I don't want to say something weird because, I mean, I, I could think of a few things, but I hope what I say doesn't sound pompous right now, but I'm the great-granddaughter of the old Prime Minister of England, David Lloyd George. That's a fun The old what? Right? Prime Minister of England. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, fancy royal. Fancy. She's <laughs> royal. Oh, my God. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God, Snow. Where's your crown? Where's your tiara? It's not part of the royal family. Just part of true government. Well, you should wear a tiara, anyways. I know I should. And that's a wrap on this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you guys enjoyed this. And if you did, don't forget to press subscribe and leave us a little rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Come and join us on our Instagram page. We're on there at the Not So Simple Life Podcast. 
We can't wait to hear from all of you and get sent in more questions. And until then, we will see you guys next Tuesday.